0: Hey, Broken Salespeople. So today, we are going to be talking about how to keep the best salespeople in your organization. That's this episode of the Broken Salespeople Podcast. Hey, Broken Salespeople, welcome to the workshop. My name is Red Staffstrom, and today we are here to help you fix your broken sales skills. And we're talking about something a bit more macro today. We're not just talking about individual salespeople. We're talking about sales organizations. Uh, One of the major issues that we are having right now in the industry is employee churn. We are losing a lot of great salespeople, and it is costing our organizations way too much. Luckily, the reason for this churn aligns very closely to what I talk about. It's a lack of emotional intelligence, lack of understanding what People want. Um, And this isn't just from an employee standpoint, it's from a customer standpoint, a corporate standpoint. Um, All of these things actually align. So, how bad is the problem? Let's start right there. The average SDR, the average sales development rep, has an 18 month tenure, meaning if they start a job today in a year and a half, they are gone. They are looking for greener pastures. That alone is a major problem. Sales has double the turnover of the average employee in all other spots. Um, It's not quite as high as retail, but it is very, very high. It's almost always in one of the top 10 highest turnover positions. Likewise, what does this cost people? When you look at hiring a new person and when you look at manager time, HR time, taking out ads on LinkedIn or Indeed, um working through all the like training and hr stuff and all of that when you're looking at all of those things it generally costs between 6 months and 2 years salary for whatever position you're hiring for so you're getting a sdr for 18 months and it's going to be the worst 18 months because their training hasn't really kicked in yet um but you're paying two years to two and a, to three and a half years of salary for a position that is not as effective this is one of the biggest money drains you could possibly have um, to put it in real dollars if the average SDR makes fifty thousand um, dollars it costs 25 to two hundred thousand dollars to replace that employee because it's all managerial time it's people at a higher wage, um, it's training cost, all of those different things, um, new subscriptions, new everything. So to get a year and a half of work from an SDR, you're giving them to, up to $250,000 or $275,000 for 18 months of work. That is not sustainable. So now that we know what the problem is, let's kind of dive into how it happens. People do not leave companies. They leave jobs and they leave bosses. They leave miserable working conditions. So what is miserable? Let's start by defining that because once we have that definition, we could actually start attacking things the right way. Because miserable is just an emotion. It's not something that we could quantify. It's not something we can say yes or no to really. It's just a feeling overall. We have to break down that survey a bit more. Um, so I'm going to go and cite two authors and I'm going to cite them quite a bit, um, for you guys to look into. And one is going to be much more stick and one is going to be much more carrot. Um, the stick is the signs of a miserable job and the carrot is the way you motivate people, the things that are motivating for everybody. So between the two, you have both the carrot, you have the stick, you have something that can motivate people into staying where they work, and preventing them from leaving. You have both directions. So let's start about the miserable side. This, I'm going to cite Patrick Lencioni and his three signs of a miserable job. It's an excellent book. I recommend pretty much all of Patrick Lencioni's work. Um, I'm not getting paid for that. But the way he uses fables, the way he uses stories to make the point is something that I really recommend because it really just crystallizes in a person's mind. So the three signs of a miserable job that Patrick Lencioni lays out are irrelevance, immeasurability, and anonymity. So they feel like they're not making an impact, that they're not making a difference in the day-to-day life in the company, that they're just a cog in the machine. Um, That's the irrelevance slash anonymity. they feel like they're not being measured. They don't know what the right what they have to live up to. Um, there's also another side to this, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, or they're feeling anonymous. They feel like they're not cared for, that they're not respected, that they're not listened to. Those are simple things to talk about. But let's talk specific in the sales world where these th- three things show up. Um, irrelevance. Not making an impact. That's pretty common. Um, that happens particularly if you're selling a uh, commodity products. People don't feel like they're making a huge difference when you've got people who are selling just a commodity over and over again, or they're making they they aren't seeing the difference that the uh, product that they are selling is making. Um, one of the things that I highly suggest is have customer success stories lined up for all of your sales reps. They need to know that the thing that they are doing is making a difference for the customer. Help them see that they are doing something of some importance, that they're making things better for your customers, that they're not just making 80 phone calls a day. You have to show them the whole forest, and you can't just show them the trees. Otherwise, they will feel irrelevant. The next thing is immeasurability, and this is kind of the opposite of the problem that we have in sales. Um if you're in a creative role, if you're in marketing and you're creating PowerPoints or web material, you may not have a good measurable way to track how good somebody is doing. Um, in sales, it's a little different. Everything we do is measured. We measure our output, how many phone calls, how many emails, how many how much revenue comes in. It is very, very measured. but where we mess up is we make those measurable things almost impossible to attain. I have seen statistics where only 24.3% of sales reps exceed quota. Only 24.3% of sales reps exceed quota. That is one of the most dire statistics. But even to give it the shadow of the doubt, imagine going into work where half of your people, every single day, feel like failures when we set these quotas, when we set these measurable things, we make it almost impossible because we don't think about what we're doing. We just put a number out and we multiply it by 20% and we set our goal. It's not working for us. It's burning people out because they never feel like they can catch up. They feel like they're always behind the eight ball. And when you have even 30%, of your workforce below quota, it saps the energy from everybody. You can't continue doing that. You need to actually set goals and set these measurements in a way that people can attain them. It's not about chasing a number for your shareholder. It's about making sure that people stay enthusiastic. You want them to push themselves, but you don't want them to feel like it's impossible and give up on some Sisyphean task of pushing a boulder up a mountain that's never going to be completed. It's going to destroy the morale of the workforce. Think through, look at the real numbers and don't add to them. Figure out realistic numbers that they can hit and dive into that rather than just multiplying last year's sales figures by 1.2. That's not how you do a real forecast. The last one is anonymity. I'm a big proponent in obviously listening to your employees, listening to your customers, but many of us don't do it. We have this fear of change. We found something that works and we aren't willing to potentially damage everything by trying something new. I want you to give people the ability to mess up. I want you to do that. I want you to give them the power to try something new at all times. Um, at least for a period of time, even if it's only a week or two, give them the ability to try what they want to, to actually put their ideas into effect and find out what works and what doesn't. Give them the floor, give them the recognition that they need. If they feel like they are just sales rep number 8675309, they're not going to feel very enthusiastic about coming into work every day. Give them the ability to set themselves apart, to give them the recognition, do all of those things, and it's going to be much easier to avoid these three signs of a miserable job. A good boss focuses on these things. They make sure people don't feel irrelevant. They make sure that they feel like they're they're measuring up and that they are attainable measurements, and they also feel like they are seen. So that's how we prevent things from being miserable. Now, how do we make things great? How do we keep people motivated? We, we've got the, we could get rid of the stick now. We don't need to demotivate people. How do we figure out how to make things great for people? Now I'm going to cite Daniel Pink and his book Drive. It was written around 2009. Again, another book that I highly recommend. It's a lot drier than Patrick Lencioni's book. But the level of research and dedication to it makes it extremely worthwhile to read. What Daniel Pink goes into is what are the intrinsic motivators that everybody has? And his answer is not money. Money does not motivate people. And I know some of you guys, particularly in the sales field, are like, no, that's how we motivate everybody. We give them money. But when you take a step back, money is not the real motivator. What money buys is the motivator. Money is just a middleman. I don't care about having $600, I care about having a DeWalt thickness planer. I don't care about having $5,000 worth of green pieces of paper. I care about taking my family to Disney. The money is just a means to an end. What really motivates people, you can look at when you start examining their spending habits and how they spend their free time. What do they do once their basic needs are taken care of, once the kids are dressed and clean and in school, um, once the food is cooked, once the bills are paid, what are they spending that money on? What are they doing for free time? And Daniel Pink breaks it down into three things. He breaks it down to autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Autonomy, mastery, purpose. The freedom to do what you want when you want, feeling like you are great at your job, and purpose, feeling like you're making a difference. Now you can see how already these very closely parallel what Patrick Lencioni has talked about. If you feel like you're irrelevant, you feel like you're not living up to your purpose. If you're struggling with being measurable um, or you're not going up to the proper measurements, you feel like you're not a master of what you're doing. Um, If you feel like you're not, uh, if you feel anonymous, You don't feel like you're making any difference. All of these things. So how do you approach each one? How do you provide autonomy, mastery, and purpose to your employees? Autonomy is easy. Like I said before, let them mess up. Let them put decisions in place. Even if you don't think it will work, give them the option to try it. It may not work, and that's perfectly fine. But by giving them the trust, the feeling that, you support their decisions, that you trust that they are they have the best interest at heart for you, for the company, for the team, they're going to fight for you. They're going to want to stay. When they feel like they can play improv jazz a little bit and they have that freedom, that autonomy, they're going to be much more motivated to show up the next day because they don't know what it will bring. They don't know what a new ideas are going to cross their desk. The next one is mastery. You want people to feel like they are great at what they do. And this isn't about participation trophies. This is about training. There are very few programs now. There are very few companies that train the way that we used to. We don't have that structure the way um, that other people do. I remember hearing that people stay in jobs for three reasons. They stay because they're having fun they stay because they're making money they stay because they're learning by giving them an education when they're working for you by helping them feel like they are sur- like overcoming obstacles they will feel that mastery that we're talking about you want to give them that feeling all the time you can by helping them climb up the ladder and feel like they're always getting better no one will ever be a master but that curve that closeness to perfection will keep them driving forward. And then the last one is purpose. How do you make them feel like they are making a difference? How do you make them feel like they are making a positive impact in the world? Well, give them a day, maybe one day a month, you let them work at a charity rather than work in the office. Give them those options where you could have a half day if you're donating your time to a children's charity. Help have them Put together fundraisers, have them suggest Kickstarter campaigns or GoFundMe campaigns for people that they know. Help them feel like your company is making a difference in the world, um, that they are creating and donating to the common good of society. The more you can do that, the more people will stay because they feel like there's a part of something greater. So those are the two big books that I want you to recommend. Um, The Three Signs of a Miserable Job by Patrick Lencioni and Drive by Daniel Pink. Again, irrelevance, immeasurability, anonymity. Those are the signs of uh, of a miserable job. Autonomy, mastery, purpose. Those are the signs of a great job. If you can master and contribute both to your employees, you're going to have very, very low turnover. Um, if you want to know more, if you want to start putting these things in place, feel free to reach out to me, connect with me on LinkedIn, send me an email, red at salespeople.com, Go to my website. I'd be happy to talk about how we can help make your workplace a healthier place for your employees, for your customers, for your company as a whole. Um, so until next time, please make sure you subscribe, that you like, that you do all those standard things that you do here on YouTube. And until next time, please go fix yourself.